Welcome to Smart Route, the podcast by Call Tracking Metrics, where you'll hear stories from businesses at the intersection of marketing, customer experience, and sales. We're sitting down with business leaders and industry experts to dive deep into the path they took to find success. Here's your host, Courtney Tyson. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Smart Route, Episode 9, The Good and Bad of Google My Business. I'm your host, Courtney Tyson. This is an extra special episode because we are streaming live during Call Tracking Metrics Annual Summit. Our special guest with us today is one of our most valued partners, Joy Hawkins. Welcome, Joy, and thanks for being here with us live. Thanks for having me, Courtney. So being here live today means that this will be an interactive session. We encourage our listeners to ask questions using the Q&A feature. Um, We'll address those questions at the end of the discussion. Uh, Additionally, our team will be sharing helpful links in the chat throughout the episode as well. Um, So this is actually Joy's second summit appearance. Last year, she joined us as a panelist and our audience learned so much from her that we just had to have her back again. Joy is the, is the owner of locals of the local search forum, Local U and Sterling Sky, a local SEO agency in Canada and the US. So to kick things off, Joy, can you um, please share a little bit more about yourself and your company, Sterling Sky, and why you built an organization focused on local and SEO? Yeah, so um, I basically started in this industry in 2006 and self-taught myself most of most of what I know about local SEO today. I just found it really interesting to try and dive in and figure out exactly what made uh, Google choose the order that they did when it comes to the local pack results. So I kind of learned early on that uh, the algorithm was different for the local pack results than it was for the rest of Google. And I wanted to try and figure out like what those differences were and how they worked. So I love doing tests and running experiments and um, eventually figured out that I wanted to start my own agency. Um, So I started Sterling Sky four years ago and kind of wanted to focus on hiring uh, other experts in the space that uh, had kind of an equal passion and desire um, to learn about local as mine. (laughs) So what makes Google My Business the default center of local search? Yeah, so I'd say the good is like just how much traffic it drives. We've seen over the years, this just continues to go up. So if you're like a local plumber um, and you're trying to figure out, you know, how do I bring in calls to my business? Like there are very few um, advertising methods you can use that will bring as much volume as Google My Business. So um, we posted an article recently on the Sterling Sky blog about a week or two ago that talks, just gave a few examples of clients of ours and just what we've seen over the last like few years, as far as lead growth and how much is coming from Google My Business. And it just, it continues to go up at a much faster rate than even like the organic results on Google are driving. Yeah, I think that Google My Business is something that we all use without even realizing we're using it. I mean, when you're Googling your local pizza shop on a Friday night, you're likely looking at their Google My Business profile, right? Um, and you had mentioned that you know a lot has changed in the in the past few years. So how has I'm assuming you know that kind of means COVID has changed a lot, right? So how has COVID and everything that's happened over the last couple of years changed Google searches and Google My Business? Yeah, so I think um, you know there's definitely some trends to to keep on track of, but um, there are a lot of things that Google rolled out like feature wise that were um, kind of 
came out because of COVID. So, you know, they added a lot more attributes. They added the ability for businesses to open different types of hours to be listed because they realized, you know, hey, like maybe this shopping center is open earlier for seniors or this and that. So Google was pretty fast to adapt to some of that. And the list of things they've changed in the last, you know, year and a half, it's it's really long. <laughs> so we actually keep a list on our website. Um, we have a page that, that tracks all the updates that happen every month and we just list them out there. So it's like a good resource that's free on, on the Sterling Sky site if you want to check it out. But uh, there's there's way too many to list them all. So I know um, something they've been kind of focusing on as of late is um, identity attributes. So they released a you know Latino-owned attribute to try and highlight that for Latino businesses. Um, they released the, the Black-owned attribute last year. So I think they're trying to kind of come up with different ways for businesses to highlight like different things about the business um, that show up directly in the search results, which is kind of cool. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely something to watch. Yeah. And, and working with our clients directly at, at CTM, I definitely noticed that throughout COVID there was a rise in interest in Google, my business, the need to track the activity from a business's profile. Um, and it was a couple of months ago, I went through Google certification training. Our, our product coach, Jessica Michaels, hosts it here a couple of times a year. And when I went through the GMB portion of the training, I was really impressed with all the different options that it gave business owners to build their profile and really help them to customize it and allow it to stand out. Um, so, you know, they make it really easy to create and manage a profile. Anyone can do it. Um, can you talk us through you know, what are, what are those, those must use as well as, you know, what should businesses be avoiding when they're building their, their GMB profile? Yeah. So things to definitely take advantage of Google posts can be really good for certain business types. So um, definitely we see like it, they go further with certain types of businesses than others. So if you're a business that has like specials or discounts or things like that, um, Google posts are definitely something you want to look at. We did a huge study earlier this year on Google posts also on our, our site that just looked at like what types of Google posts performed better than others. And there are some clear winning patterns. So um, for example, offer posts are the, the best type of post out of all the different options that you have. And they don't necessarily have to be, um, you know, like a, a sale that you have on, on shoes or something like that. Like if you can get creative with the uses for offer posts for service type businesses. Um, we also looked at like images and what types of images to use and found that like if you have an image that's a unique image to your business, aka not a stock photo, and you put um, a small amount of text on it. So, um, you know, for example, if you're offering a $50 off coupon, you can actually put that in the, the image part. So like an image with a small amount of text that performs best for, for clicks. So that is definitely a feature I would say that I would um, I would use if I was a business. Um, as far as what to avoid, we have seen an increase, especially in the last week in suspensions. Um, so it's really easy to accidentally trigger a suspension of your listing, which if you're not familiar with what that is, that's essentially when Google takes your listing off Google. So like it's gone, it usually doesn't appear anywhere <laughs> and you have no access to it. So you want to avoid that as much as you can. Um, and one of the biggest things we see that can automatically trigger those like unintentionally is if you change too much about your business all at once. So if you were to go in there and like update your address, then also update your phone number, um, that could easily trigger a suspension because it looks to Google like you're trying to hijack a listing, like you're kind of 
um, doing something that's not normal. So if you're changing a whole bunch of information because your business rebranded or something like that, I would space out those edits over several weeks because that is um, definitely one of the things that we see people accidentally doing that they didn't mean to. Okay, that's great information. So um, again, using the Google Posts feature really helps. Um, those offer posts you had mentioned are the best. Use images, do not use stock photos. Put some text on those images. That could certainly help with engagement too. I know I personally love looking at images. Like if I'm going to go to a restaurant, I kind of want to see what it looks like on the inside or if they have outdoor seating and what that you know feels like. Um, and you said, avoid making multiple updates in a short period of time because that could lead to suspension of a profile. So mm-hmm. all, all good things. Um, so let's talk about things that impact ranking and the things that don't. Can you talk through through some things there? Yeah, so I actually did a Whiteboard Friday for Moz. Um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was last year or this year, but in the last year. Um, and uh, in the Whiteboard Friday, I just basically go over the four fields inside Google My Business that do impact ranking. Since we made that video, we actually did find a fifth. So I'll, I'll just highlight those. So the things that do impact where you rank are your business name, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, for example, if you're a storage business and you have the word self-storage, like it's like Joy's self-storage, me having the word self-storage in my business name will help me rank for queries like self-storage. Um, it's an unfortunate truth that has been around for as long as I've been doing local search. Um, second thing is your categories. This is huge. Uh, there are a lot of business types like HVAC, for example, where you have like seven different categories that apply to your business and choosing the right ones can be very, uh, impactful. We've seen this time and time again with clients of ours where, you know, when they come on board and they're not using the right categories and we switch them up and like, it has a huge impact in where they rank. Um, the other thing with categories is Google's constantly refining that list. So they constantly add categories and delete categories every year. There's about 4,000 of them-ish um, in the US. So we we also keep a list of those and um, the updates to those on our website. I update that every month. Um, if there's month with, with nothing listed, it just basically means Google didn't add or delete any of that month. Um, and then the third thing would be um, the website that you link to. So you know, usually for businesses, they're like, well, I'd want to link to my homepage, but some businesses are multi-location. So sometimes it's better to link to your homepage. Sometimes it's better to link to a location page. It really depends on the business and how their site is set up and which pages Google is ranking organically. So it's not always a clear cut answer, um, but that does influence ranking for sure. Um, most of what goes into where you rank on Google is from your site, like the huge majority. So um, there's not as much you can fill in on the Google My Business side that impacts where you rank. Um, the fourth thing would be reviews. So simply like volume of reviews mainly um, can, can have an influence on ranking. Um, and I think this is more of a click-through rate kind of thing. So it's I think it's it's a both indirect and direct factor, but like, you know, if you've got a business with a thousand reviews and then the next two have like 10, it's kind of a clear choice on which one the consumer is likely to interact with and click-through rate is a ranking factor. So if you can do something to help increase your click-through rate, that will help your business rank higher. And then the fifth one that we added on after I did that video, um, identity attributes do impact ranking. So for example, if you put the woman-led or women-owned, sorry, attribute on your listing, if somebody's searching for like women-owned businesses, 
then you are likely to rank higher for that. It's not going to help you rank for like plumber near me. <laughs> Google's not like favoring women, um, <laughs> but it will help you uh, rank for those types of queries. Um, okay. Everything else that I didn't mention, we found does not um, actually directly impact where you rank. It's more so information giving options in, in that regard. Exactly. So yeah. The five fields, again, that you had mentioned that do impact ranking are the business team, um, the categories that you're choosing, uh, the website link, uh, reviews help quite a bit, which I know we, we actually did an episode on the value of reviews and how impactful they are. So that, that's great. Um, and then identity attributes. So all good stuff. And if you, you know, make it uh, interesting enough and you have a high click-through rate, of course, that's going to help as well. So, all right. So, you know, nowadays we're all pressed for time. Um, I'd like to hear from you about, you know, what are best practices for managing a listing? You had mentioned, you know, don't update it a lot, right? Especially in a short period of time, but how often should a business be looking to just kind of maybe edit or check on their listing? You know, what are resources that businesses can tap into for help with managing their listing? Yeah, I mean, as a business owner, the number one thing I would prioritize um, for the business owner, because it's something a marketing company really can't do for you, is is soliciting reviews. So I actually spoke to um, a real estate agent the other day who was like, I've spent $20,000 incentivizing my staff to get Google reviews. And I was like, whoa, that's a lot of money. But think about it in context, right? Like how much a real estate agent will make off of a home sale, right? Like they don't actually have to sell very many homes to make that money back. And if they can dominate their market by getting lots of reviews, that's a great strategy. Um, so what this agent did is you're not allowed to offer incentives to customers to leave reviews. There's actually um, legal oh, issues wow. with that with the FTC. So don't ever do that. Um, and also Google um, has guidelines against it. But uh, if you're incentivizing your staff to try and get them to ask for reviews more, that's okay. Um, as far as I know, there's no, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, there's no legal issue <laughs> with that. But um, basically that's what this real estate agent did. She went to her team and she was like, all right, for every 10 reviews that you get us on Google, like they're trying to hammer this into their staff because their staff are the ones kind of talking to the customers on a regular basis. You have to get your staff to care. Otherwise it makes it a lot harder. So they're like, okay, every 10 reviews, I'll give you a thousand dollars. I was like, whoo, <laughs> just imagining like telling yeah, that's staff nice. that. That's, <laughs> right? Like who wouldn't go for that? Um, so really aggressive. That's probably like the most extreme. I don't think most people give that much, but it makes sense <laughs> for a real estate agent because of how much they would make off of like a single sale. Um, sure. Mm-hmm. So definitely not saying you should just go do that, but it was a really good, smart strategy. And I think that is the one thing that every business owner can prioritize that should prioritize. That's kind of anybody can do it. Sure. That makes sense. Um, now what happens if, um, you know, there, there's a fake listing out there. How do you deal with a fake listing? Yeah. Um, we run into this more so in certain industries than others. So fake listings, like as a whole, if you were to ask Google and look at their studies that they put out every year, they'd say, oh, we're doing a great job. And they'd pat themselves on the back. And it's true. If you were to look at all listings across the board on Google, there's not a large amount of fake listings. However, when you get into certain industries, if you work in the garage door industry or the HVAC industry, there are an insane amount of fake listings. Like it's crazy how many um, marketing companies will go out there and just create listings for non-real businesses that are just named like 
plumber Sacramento, and then you call it and they sell that lead to a real plumber and they get it to rank because it's got like an exact match keyword name. And this is a tactic that's been around as long as I've been in this industry um, against Google's guidelines, but people figure out ways to get around Google's guidelines because that's what they do. Um, so this is a big problem for some industries, but not all. Like if you're a hotel, this is a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very much on the industry specific level that spam becomes a problem. So if you are in an industry that's like a service business that is home-based, you are likely going to be impacted by this. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole slew of like how to figure out if it's a fake listing, um, how to report it to Google. I did a article on this on our site that um, talks about like, it's like the ultimate guide to fighting spam on Google maps or something like that. And it goes into like the specifics of like, do this, then this, then this. Um, but you can definitely report these listings to Google and get them removed. And for some industries, this can be insanely impactful. So I, I would definitely suggest doing yeah. that. And I guess that would be a very big benefit to businesses in certain industries who are affected by this and working with someone like you and Sterling Skies that you guys can really help to combat those fake listings and help that business really to, to get, you know, the spotlight on them and get some click throughs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in certain industry, Google's been making some headway. Like I, I think in the insurance industry, I see a little less of it than I did a year ago, definitely with lawyers. We don't see as much of it as we used to a year ago. Um, but people are, man, these people are creative. Like the people that create these listings, they are always finding new ways. <laughs> so yeah, that's, it's interesting. I mean, I just learned something new. I had no idea that it would that easy to create a fake listing and you know it's not easy but if it's like what you do for a living like these there's a whole side of local seo this is what they do they Mm -hmm. are way ahead of google like google's kind of caught on to their tactics but they're already moved on to another tactic by the way i see google catches on gotcha well i guess google will need to do something about that (laughs) (laughs) um so looking ahead what are the new features um, that Google My Business has that our listeners should be aware of? And are, are there any like upcoming too that they should be aware of? Yeah, nothing upcoming that I'm I'm aware of. Um, you know, usually uh, Google doesn't announce these things ahead of time, right? But I would say like the, the main things that have come out in the last year that I would pay attention to, um, the products feature, which I think that one's about two years old, but um, a lot of people think that they can't use products because they're, you know, a service-based business, but you can find creative ways. Like we do this for real estate agents. They don't have products, but we list like their homes on there or um, areas or neighborhoods that they're selling homes in um, because it's a really noticeable feature on desktop. So it looks really nice. You can use images, um, just a nice way to, again, make your your listing kind of stand out. Attributes are really the main thing that Google keeps launching more of. So they're constantly rolling out attributes to different business types. Um, So that is something that I would just keep an eye on. Like they have like, you know, online appointments, on-site services, like there's a whole bunch. They have a lot of wheelchair specific attributes, um, gender, racial, all kinds of stuff. And they keep coming out with more and more of those. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So we talked about using the products feature attributes, being aware of, you know, if any of those apply to your business, get those on your listing, be aware of, you know, if there are any upcoming, you know, get those added, um, all good stuff. All right. So, um, we're just about at the end here, but Joy, did you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with your listener, with our listeners around GMB? 
Yeah, I would just say, you know, it's important to keep up with updates, kind of know where Google's headed with this stuff. So something I would pay attention to. Um, and then policies too, like Google's policies on listings is another thing that it's really helpful to know as a marketer. So just being really aware of Google's guidelines and how they change, they had definitely changed over the last few years. So um, that is another thing to kind of keep track of. Yeah. And it seems too that, you know, the, the stronger a GMB listing is, the more trust a consumer has in that, in that business. Would you say that that carries some truth? Yeah, I think that, um, like one thing Google is trying to make headway on is fake reviews are a big problem still on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know there was like a study released recently. I think it was Uberall. Hopefully I'm not uh, misremembering that. Talked about like fake reviews and how basically Google has more on their platform than any other platform. So I think their combat to that recently has been to kind of tighten up their filters around reviews. So we're seeing a lot of people that are unfortunately having a lot of their legitimate reviews not publishing, which is like Google's effort to combat fake reviews always has this undesired consequence, right? So I think that is something that um, we're going to see more of in the future from Google is just like new ways for them to try and combat this that will have unfortunate consequences as well. Gotcha. All right. Well, was there anything that you wanted to plug with our listeners too before we we end today? Yeah, so um, one of the the companies that we own, Local U, is putting on an event uh, in a couple weeks. So Local U Advanced, uh, it's really an event for people that know a a decent amount about local SEO and Google My Business, but want to learn more. Um, We usually run them three times a year, and they're they're all virtual. So um, you know, definitely check that out. Uh, It's happening November thirtieth. Great. Yeah, we're going to be sharing this episode. on our website, on social media. Um, so all of our listeners will have access to, to Joy's properties, getting to her website and checking these things out. We're also going to highlight to the links that we've been sharing in the chat, which are all really great resources from Joy and, and Sterling Sky. Um, this was great. We really, really appreciate you, your time and your expertise and um, just sharing all this knowledge with us today, Joy. Really, you've educated us quite a bit on Google My Business, the good and the bad. Um, So thank you again for your time. Not a problem. And thanks to our listeners too, whether you're listening in live um, or the recorded episode, we truly appreciate your support. Um, Please enjoy the rest of our annual summit. Up next is Hidden Gems with Jessica Michaels and Kate Batts. Um, All of our recordings for our sessions will be available on our website, I believe, early next week. Um, Keep up with our podcast. Again, we're constantly posting about updates, new episodes um, on social media, on our website. Um, So please stay engaged and stay up with us. And just thanks for your time as well. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Smart Route Podcast. Share your favorite takeaways with us on Twitter at SmartRoutePod. SmartRoute is brought to you by Call Tracking Metrics, and you can find more at calltrackingmetrics.com forward slash podcast. Follow along for ideas and conversations that will inspire your own business path forward. Speaking of smart paths, are your marketing, sales, and service teams on the same page? In today's remote world, it's easy to get disconnected. 
Call tracking metrics can help. We empower smart marketing teams to determine the best route for campaigns by showing exactly which ad campaigns are driving conversations that convert. Operational teams can use that data to automate call flows and power contact center success. Visit calltrackingmetrics.com to see why more than 100,000 customers around the globe trust call tracking metrics to manage communications for their marketing, sales, and service teams.